this is Sean Williams. This is Kevin Moore. And welcome to Fashion Decipher. This episode will be speaking about sustainability and what that means for the environment and how it connects to fashion. So if you want to talk about sustainability, let's talk about what it actually means. So sustainable, sustainable fashion came into the public foray in the late 1980s and early 1990s. And there's so many factors when considering the sustainability of a material. You're talking about the renewability and uh, the renewability and source of a fiber, the process of how a raw fiber is turned into a textile, and the working conditions of the people producing the material. A big issue is fast fashion. Fast fashion is, you know, the new thing where designers try to get designs from the catwalk to the public as quickly as possible mm-hmm. um, before trends change. You know, this has developed from a product-driven concept based on manufacturing model referred to as quick response. So yeah. essentially, you see it, you want it right now. Mm-hmm. You know, and fast fashion has also become associated with disposable fashion because it has delivered design a product to a mass market at a relatively low cost. That's true. Um, and there was an article in WWD talking about how much faster can fashion get. And it surveyed uh, um, several people who buy fast fashion. And they said more than half of 18 to 24 year olds surveys didn't keep the clothes that they buy for very long. They didn't believe in the intrinsic value. Um, eight, 16% admitted to throwing them away when they were finished. 21% gave them to friends and 15% forgot about them in their closet totally. That's true. And uh, young shoppers, like right in that demographic, like you said, 18 to 24 year olds, um, they have different purchasing habits. A lot of their purchasing habits, especially when it comes to fashion, uh, is dictated by social media. Yeah. You know, from like influencers and celebrities, although that's not necessarily new. We've always emulated celebrities, but these influencers, Mm -hmm. uh, they have so much impact on what people do Mm -hmm. and how they buy them. You know, they want to see. A celebrity or influencer wearing something and now they want that same shirt tomorrow that exactly true you know they want to be able to show it off it's mm-hmm. like remember you saw it on that ig account i got that same shirt i got those same jeans so now the demand for quick delivery has increased i would say like tenfold yeah you know and, and then that same article that that i read as well as you they said a third of that demographic will buy fashion items at least once every two weeks. So you're looking at, you're buying clothes pretty much every time you get paid. Yeah. And 30% will buy something every week. So you're talking about 52 weeks out of the year, that means every single week you're making a purchase. And I'm pretty sure it's not just one item you're purchasing at a time. Yeah, totally. Um, You know, if you think about the impact, like you said about social media, um, social media created part of this problem because when people are photographed with uh, an outfit, they don't want to rewear it. Um, growing up, I know we would rotate our clothing. You know, I know you probably did that as well, Kevin, in high school. Um, and you would change your look every so often, but you would bring the first one back um, or mix it with something else. Now, uh, younger kids in that demographic are taking a photo with that outfit on and they don't want to repeat it. So they end up throwing that look away. Exactly. And it also didn't, the speed of delivery is also an issue with sustainability because research, research shows that one in five 18 to 20 year olds want their stuff same day delivery mm-hmm. so it's almost become insatiable like i see it i want it to read why that's a problem because you're constantly seeing things you're constantly wanting things that means you're constantly purchasing and you're building up this this um stack of clothes in your closet yeah that's so true i mean if you want to talk about the 
you know, sustainability and the effects on the earth, you have to think about like the raw materials. So you're thinking about what this means for the growers and, and the people who, you know, do these raw materials and work with them. Like what type of pesticides are they using? Are they part of fair farming? You know, and are they getting paid reasonable? You know, they're not getting paid what we're getting paid. You know, it's a, it's a total different story when you think about, um, uh, the money, obviously, you know, it has to be very cheap labor because the products themselves are cheap. That's true. And then what's another effect on the environment? Like shipping. You're talking about the, the amount of energy that's being used. Right. The amount of waste that's being created, the gas, the oils, uh, <laughs> the pirates, mm-hmm. all types <laughs> of things. And then retailing, like, you know, empty malls, driving crazy, sad. Like, you know, there's so much stuff that's going on. In, in relation to the sustainability yeah, and the effects, like you said, like the environment. Mm-hmm. I mean, the issue here is that most fashion, fast fashion is made from non-biodegradable material. Right. What does that mean is that as we, as consumers buy the stuff and then get rid of it, this stuff is not even going back into the earth for being reused. Like this stuff is just staying there. Right. You know, uh, what is there to be done as far as increasing type of uh, material that we use? Maybe better materials, maybe more cotton, maybe more um, soluble solutions. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was an, uh, an article um, in Newsweek that talked about this in detail. And, and, it, and it gave an analogy on what happens to non-biodegradable clothing. And it states that natural fibers such as cotton, like you mentioned, Kevin, and linen and silk, you know, um, can actually break down, you know what I mean, o- over time. Um, but once you start using non-biodegradable clothing or using those clothing, um, you know, and when you bleach it and you dye it or you print things on them or you sell them in chemical baths to lift the color, um, those chemicals can leak from the materials into the groundwater and also burning them doesn't help because the toxins are just released into the air. So none of that actually helps the environment. And, and I don't know if we're actually aware that these things are happening. Right, and, uh, and synthetic fibers don't fare any better on the environment either. I mean, so you look like fibers like polyester, nylon, and acrylic are essentially made from plastic from petroleum. Mm. You know, the biodegradable effect on these fibers can take hundreds or thousands of years to break down. Like it's they have crazy. Very, a very high half life. Right. You know, and what about the waste? Yeah. That's coming from it. I mean, at the rate that fast fashion turns out clothing, the disposing of them cannot keep up. I mean, most people want to resell their items to secondhand clothing retailers, like such as ThreadUp, Swap, or and or in right here uh, in the NYC, like Beacon's Closet right. and Crossroads Trading Company. But most of them don't take all of the items you would like to dispose of. I mean, mm-hmm. they reject them for various reasons, like poor quality, low resale value. They have too much inventory of the same articles because everyone's buying the same, same clothes pieces, at the yeah. same prices. You know, all day, no longer in season. So. The article from Newsweek points out that if you donate to any of the secondhand stores in New York City, most likely your items aren't sold at a secondhand store at all. And that's crazy. I mean, only like 2% of the clothing gets sold in these stores. I mean, most of them end up at Transamerica um, Trading Company. They have a warehouse in New Jersey where they receive 80,000 pounds of clothing a day. That's insane. I mean, the rest of the clothing was is about 40% is bailed and shipped all over the globe. So the nicest vintage items often are found in Japan and in South America countries get mid-grade stuff. Eastern European countries get the cold weather clothes and African countries get the low-grade items and reject items that no other country wants. That's insane. I mean, Haiti in particular gets loads of rejected clothing that go direct to their landfills and port-au-prince 
like this overabundance of clothing weakens their own local industries because there's no motivation or any way to make a profit. If you're right. a local designer in Haiti, um, you're being over inundated with all this American stuff, mm-hmm. you know, with that in and of itself has its own issues because you see American made, of course you want it, you want it, you know, and it pulls their land and their water. Yeah. You know? And, and, you know, it's so important, you know, to even to educate yourselves on these things. And, you know, and I had no idea what was going on, but, you know, there was an L.A. Times article and, and it reviewed the documentary, The True Cost. And I, I would tell anybody to, to totally, if you love fashion, you need to watch this documentary. It's so informative. And it basically said, like, as you were talking about, Kevin, in these third world countries, that these rejects of the clothing that after we throw it out um, goes back to the very countries and to the workers that made them. So, you know, it's, it's, it's sad because it's almost as if we made all this brand new clothing, you wore it, and we get the rejects after you wear it. So it, it's, it's so sad and it's, and it's very eye-opening, you know? And what are some of the solutions you think? I mean, there's, I feel like there's so many things that we could do as consumers before even throwing them out. You know, like when you look at style, you definitely could think to yourself what all is new again and history repeats itself. And this applies to fashion. You know, fashion is cyclical and you will see looks repeat throughout the course of history. So in essence, you know, you as the consumer, you don't, you don't have to purchase every new trend that is produced. It is important to understand the needs of curating a wardrobe to withstand the changes in fashion. And this is key in order to take responsibility of overspending on fast fashion or our throwaway clothing culture. That's true. I mean, there there are ways for a shopper to have a good working wardrobe and not overconsume too many clothes. I mean, you can use the mix, match, and multiply method. Right. I mean, this adds an element of flexibility in your wardrobe. The way it works is each garment can mix with and match at least two other garments. The principal leaves shoppings with a closet where items are interchangeable and workable. I mean, in applying this method, you will have timeless or classic garments that survive through the changes of trends. Yeah, and we like I said earlier, we did this in high school, didn't even know it had a name. You know what I mean? Like so you you mixed and matched and multiplied items in your closet because you didn't want to see be seen wearing the same outfit twice, but you were actually using a working wardrobe and you had no idea you were doing it. Um and then there's other methods a shopper could use, like the pra- the practice of capsules and clusters. You know, a capsule is a group of garments that coordinate in color, shape, and texture. It can range depending on uh, one preference of nine to 12 or even as few as seven. The rule is no matter the number of each garment, it must be able to be worn with all the other ones. A a capsule is closely related to a cluster in that it's as much smaller amount of garments being used and it could be anywhere from five to seven to go together and branch out and mesh with others. And this is exactly what the designer Donna Karen did when she first came out and she launched her signature line of essentials. Um, the term is basically coined by a, a woman, Susie Fox, in England. Um, and she, you know, Donna Karen took this method and popularized it. I mean, and now, I mean, it's understandable that things will wear out. Yeah. And it, I mean, with time, things again, you know, you can shop. Yeah. You know, I would suggest, like, before going out and shopping, ask yourself some alternative questions. There are ways to make over your garment that it seems new like mm-hmm. push up the sleeves right pull a collar on it change the buttons dyeing it adding or remo- removing trend trim excuse me if that works ask these questions next for alterations like can it be altered right i mean how's the fabric is mm-hmm. it of good quality for the investment or alteration how are the seams will the stitches show i mean lastly is it cost effective for you to alter it 
or is it cheaper to buy a new garment? Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and that's and, and when you look at your pieces in your wardrobe and you want to save some of your most favorite favorite items, and you don't want to throw it away. This is a way to keep them. This is a way to hold on to them. So if you actually have a coat that you love, but you feel that, that you've worn so much, decide to change the buttons. Maybe add a stripe or a collar or change the belt. You know, this way you're not buying something that's new and you're just recycling something from your own wardrobe. So it's ways to save the environment and also ways to also save you money um, and ways for you to become more creative with the items you already own. That's true. I mean, I leave you with one thought. I mean, how much is it purchasing fashion really worth to you? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, the cost is much more expensive than the few dollars that you spend. Mm-hmm. You know, you spend $5 for a shirt, $10 for a pair of jeans. But when you add up the totality of the effects on the environment, um, the land masses that we're um, taking over with these coals, that $10 could be well over 100 But I don't think people realize it because they're looking at it from a wallet to cashier ratio. Right. And not looking at the totality. So when you're leaving that store with your bag, how many people are thinking about, well, this $5 shirt is going to have a greater impact than the $5 I spent? And the globe overall. And I know, Kevin, you had came up with an idea regarding um, possibly recycling clothes from companies. I know H&M is trying to now do that. Um, I know you had came up with an idea. You were mm-hmm. saying that maybe people should get like a gift card. Yes, definitely. Like if you, especially when it comes to like, I feel like heavy products like jeans, which it takes a, a large toll with the amount of water that's wasted, mm-hmm. washing and dyeing them. It'll be good if there's a way you can return the, the jeans to like a retailer or even bigger than that, return any jeans to anybody mm-hmm. and maybe get store credit or get a gift card or discount, an instant discount or a discount where you have to use it within a week or two, which will encourage people to um, possibly return stuff or even have like, like a, a, not necessarily a tax, but like a small fee, like the way we do when we buy bottles. Like right, like a five, to, nickel, a five cent. Exactly. Mm-hmm. To encourage people to return bottles so maybe we could do the same thing with clothing as well and i think that that encouragement and you know which is a small thing if you're being charged five cents could actually end up to be a big bonus um even with bringing the clothes back as kevin suggested and possibly getting a gift card within the store so let's say whatever your favorite jean company is decide to take the, the jeans back your used ones and gives you store credit you're going to use that money right back in the store so the store itself doesn't lose and I think, and, and, and the bigger picture, the, you know, the environment does, it doesn't lose. So, you know, you're, you're helping in some shape, form or fashion. And I just don't think we know enough about it. And I think when people are buying these clothes and there's nothing wrong, just to give you some context, like, you know, fast fashion retailers are Old Navy, H&M, Zara, you know, and there's nothing wrong with buying those clothes, but also do realize that you don't need to buy them all the time. You know what I mean? And it's your responsibility to be educated on what actually the impacts are having on the environment. And that's what Fashion Decipher is here for. And I know we'll continue to speak about it because I know fashion is t- trying to get into change how things are being done. Um, and, and we'll get, get deeper into what actually you can do to help on your end. A quote from Vivian Westwood comes to mind. Buy less, choose well. Your closet would thank you because... Everything in there is going to be a masterpiece. It's something that's great, that's going to look wonderful on you outside. Mm-hmm. And the environment would definitely thank you because now you're having a less of an impact on the world and on the people and the farmers and everything. I definitely suggest everyone to live by her wise words the next time they go shopping. And I know we'll continue to talk about this for uh, some time to come. That's true, but this is something that's not going to go away.
So for Fashion to Sci-Fi, I am Kevin Moore. Sean Williams. Thank you for listening. Bye. We out. Make sure you visit our website, fashionandcypher.com, to get a visual on what we are talking to you about. Check out pics from events, of guest speakers, and exhibits. If you miss anything we post, you can visit our archives page. Also, while you're there, hit that subscribe button. Leave your email, and if you like, a comment. Tell us what you think or what you would want to hear on an upcoming episode. Don't forget to follow and friend Fashion Decipher on social media. Check out what we're up to. Speak Speak with with you you next week. week.